Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Unfriend Me. If you're sitting there thinking, man, I sure love this show and I just wish I could give back, I've got great news for you and everyone who loves you. Go on over to patreon.com slash unfriend me today and you can help this show grow. That's patreon.com slash unfriend me. Hey, whale killer. I hope entertaining your awful children is worth the slow torture of animals, sea murderer! Well, I think that as long as we're not hurting these creatures, what's the harm in teaching them to jump around for treats? Oh, yeah! Well, if you support SeaWorld, then Wow, that was a deep, dark one. That was good. Real good. You okay after that one? I'm a little worried about you. you have- oh, man, I'm born to do it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hyperventilating robot. Some, All I do is hyperventilate. Got some air back. That's fantastic. Welcome back, everybody, to Unfriend Me. It is Unfriend Me episode. I don't know what. We're talking about SeaWorld today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's very exciting. It's going to be good. Why? Wow, it's still a thing, right? People are still uh, either upset that SeaWorld still exists in some form or... Or they're upset that SeaWorld has been diminished so much. So we'll get into all of it today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very exciting. But before mm-hmm. we do that, here on Unfriendly with Scott Johnson and Justin Robert Young, that's our names, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna take a look back, back to last week where we spoke about fake nerds and fake gamer girls and related subjects. And boy, oh boy, did we get feedback. Indeed we did. Uh, we got a lot of feedback. Uh, thank you to everybody who wrote in. I think this is definitely going to be one of those that we can do a revisit episode on because we did have a lot of unused emails, mostly because I, I wound up it wound up working out, but uh, I, I took mostly ladies because we didn't get a lot of ladies uh, calling in because, you know, obviously it's hard to uh, carve out this time of the day for everybody, but we did get a lot of great emails, and they begin with Alexandra. Hey, Scott and Justin. I wanted to share a bit of a female perspective on the fake nerd grill gamer episode from last week. I personally really hate the whole situation. I've been a gamer my whole life. I was about five when my dad bought our first MS-DOS PC, and I remember playing Doom, Wolfenstein, Warcraft, Prince of Persia, and many others. I've been a gamer ever since. I personally hate the grill gamer thing going on right now. Uh, However, I don't think streamers should stop. They are not the problem. It's the reaction from men that's the problem. They too often think that geeky women are pretending in order to get attention. I sometimes get that backlash online, and it makes me feel like I shouldn't talk about anything geeky unless I have an effing PhD on the topic. (laughs) So any guys out there up in arms on fake geek girls, you all need to calm your tits. (laughs) Uh, 100% agree with Alexandra. Uh, I don't understand why anyone gives a crap i'd really we we talked about this a little bit pre-show i would just like to reiterate it we're going to read some other emails here but i don't get why any of you care so much about this it's not that big a deal you still have your games you still have the stuff you love if there's somebody online streaming a thing you don't agree with then maybe don't watch it it's as simple as that gabriel wrote in and said from the uh, by the way this yeah. is this is about i cut a little bit about but it, this is about booby streamers so. oh booby streamers specifically yeah yeah uh gabriel wrote in And said this, from the consumer perspective, I think it's much more akin to how we all hate phone games that manipulate us into in-app purchases. The game and booby streamer both uh, promise us something and then pretty immediately start trying to separate us from our money by appealing to our baser instincts. 
And yes, we can have the willpower not to pay or play, but the very reason they go there is because they know how hard willpower can be. So then we figure out the scheme and we usually feel manipulated. And uh, even when we uh, even when we personally move away, we're angry to have been manipulated and angry to know that millions of others are still being manipulated. I kind of understand it. I'd call it a false equivalency, though. Okay, a booby streamer is playing to your baser instincts as a dude looking for boobies. And I suppose a game that you find addicting on a phone and prompting you to spend a little bit of money on it is appealing to uh, your instinct to keep playing and to throw money at it so that it won't stop. Uh, I'm not sure they're the same, though. I don't think I'd compare them. They're A, two different instincts, and B, I just don't think there's an equivalency there. So uh, all of that being said... uh, there's nothing that stops you from not getting games on your phone that require you to play microtransactions to continue playing them, and there is nothing stopping you from turning off whatever stream you don't like. So again, uh, this idea that they, they just because they play to, to baser instincts means we can't control ourselves, I think, is, is, is a dangerous place. I'm not saying Gabriel's making that explicit point, but yeah, it's important to mention it, I think, again. I think it's also worth mentioning that you we can be mad if we are and i'm using the royal we uh but that does not stop the fact that it is a tried and true way to make money and people will continue to do it the number one games that make money per month are all these free-to-play in-app purchase games yep uh many popular uh, streamers or are people that are trading on their personality and their looks probably a little bit more than their gameplay. I mean, as somebody who trades exclusively on his personality uh, uh, to uh, his his Twitch audience, I feel more akin to the booby streamer than I do to the high-caliber video game star. Interesting, so. though, but you don't have an entire group of people who are uh, taking all sorts of umbrage and disdain from you and the, the way that you've decided to perform yourself online interesting it's interesting that only women have that problem or it seems like they have more of a problem than men do and that's my big hiccup with this if well Justin I just, part just, of it is yeah. whenever you mix sexuality right although i am i'm a very sexy person uh for whom i am sure just populates the late night fantasies of my audience yeah. uh i don't think it's quite to the same level as some of these levels. right but if you tomorrow said hey guess what my stream's going to be nothing but me um uh Working out. Working out. Or let's say you're going to get an account on some site where it'll let you flop your wiener around. Yeah. Not a, you're not going to get a lot, a whole lot of backlash. Wiener, wiener dot flop. <laughs> oh, the flop domain is out, is it? I should get on that. Scott sure, dot flop. Yeah. Johnson dot flop. Anyway, uh, you're, you're not going to get the kind of heat that, that women get automatically for that stuff. So I, I think I, it would be a different there. I think there, I would get disappointed if, if either me or you decided, Hey, late night, come on over to, to my, uh, cam, uh, cam palace, uh, and, and watch me uh, crank one. Uh, <laughs> right. But see, this is the like, thing you, though. It would be like, boo, that's not good. I don't that's like our that. existing, Cause that's our existing audience. And we're betraying them in terms of what their expectations are. But if you take them out of it and you just say, well, I'm starting fresh tomorrow, who will take more heat? Justin for his cam palace or some girl for her cam palace? She I will. think, yes, a- a- Ashley would get more crap 
than than I would. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Although Ashley would probably make a lot more money. Oh, she'd make even, a I mean, crap ton more money than you'll ever make doing that. Oh God. Yeah. No. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie from Green Bay says, "I'm a diehard Spider-Man fan and a cosplayer. It's hard to get a following on any social media uh, because my posts express my love for Spidey, or they are photos of myself in my Spidey suits doing only Spidey poses." It does bother me when I see other females wearing a Spider-Man suit who have never read a comic book and don't know any backstory, yet they have 200x more followers than me. These women tend to pose with their suits half unzipped or just hanging on to their suits to cover their naughty bits. I know that I cannot do anything about it, and I refuse to become one of those people. But for once, I wish people would see my actual passion for my fandoms without me having to show some skin. Problem is you can't, I don't think you can equate followers, likes, uh, and reshares with you can't equate that to passion in other words they the people she's complaining about have a quantity thing going on I would argue she has a quality thing going on and take it from somebody who has always relied more on the kindness of quality followers and patrons and far less on the quantity you're just better off I've heard from people who have hugely successful youtube channels for example yeah uh, i won't ma mention any names but i know somebody who's directly in charge of one and they do really really well tons and tons of followers tons of people they always tell me that the engagement is nothing like frog pants like not even close it's a yeah. lot of hangers on a lot of noise a lot of stuff but it's not the quality numbers you want it's just quantity for quantity's sake and while i understand big numbers and imp uh, impress people there's that only gets you so far. So quality is better than quantity is I guess what I'm saying. Counterintuitive. Sure. You should look at people that you don't like. Sure. And you think are cheating and think more about what they're doing right and less about how they're gaming the system. There because you if you look at everything as a cheat that you either can't cross physically or won't cross morally, then you're not you're Nine times out of ten, there are things that you could be doing better that would fit within your moral framework that would make your world better. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something that I think we sometimes let our, our anger sort of blind us. I agree. I, Hannah wrote in, says, I'm a female game master, sorry, guild master in World of Warcraft, and I have been since 2007. In Wrath, that's Wrath of the Lich King, for those who don't know, my guild was the second best rating team on our server, as I'm sitting here listening to the two of you get uh, archaeology up to, or sorry, listening to the two of you and getting archaeology up to 800 on my new 110 level Void Elf, I have a few thoughts on the matter. One of my thoughts is how behind I am and it's, I need to get back to the grind. Anyway, bunnies can be the bane of a guild. What separates them from other gamers is the use of sexuality to get things they don't care to work for themselves. They never accept, from, uh, sorry, they never accept help from other females and pit the males up against each other that have often exploded in middle of uh, have often exploded in middle of raids or resulted in disbanding from the guild. This is very disruptive to disruptive to a guild and needs to be weeded out as soon as possible. Me and a few other guild masters had a chat thread specifically dedicated to this problem and how to deal with it. I just want to point out that the bunny behavior is sometimes malicious and targeted to create drama and destruction. Um, is is bunny a a wow thing? Is that a wow terminology? Because I had not heard of it until Hannah wrote it. Uh, I have heard of it, although not 
not exclusively for World of Warcraft. I've heard of it in other games. Um, MMOs are are um, often uh, talked about in context with with bunny behavior. Bunny behavior meaning meaning the idea is that somebody comes along and uh, hey, let me join your guild. I've got a whole bunch of Twitch followers, and it's it, we'll get all kinds of exposure for the guild or whatever. And then they join the guild, and then you just kind of end up being the backdrop for their um, for their streaming of raids and stuff like that. And and it kind of leaves everybody else out a little bit. And it's, it's like having I don't know, be like having um, Jim Carrey move into your house. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing here? Why are you even here? Like, are you here for the community aspect? Because usually these guilds are built up to be friends and communities, and they they kind of yeah. grow out like that, and it's like having a stranger come by and just sort of take over the kitchen and say, "Well, no, I'm here now," and that's usually the so context. Somebody walks in and and it's like, "Oh, can I move into your house?" And you're like, "Cool," and it's like, "Great, I'm shooting a reality show, and it's only about me." Yeah, basically, you just described it better than I did. That's that's exactly it, and I understand that frustration. My answer to that would be just to have strict rules about the guild and <laughs> kick them out. <laughs> Like, so what, like kick him out, make him, make him, you know, show him the door. It's fine with me. Like, there's no reason uh, who cares if they come in there with 200,000 Instagram followers, kick them out. They're not good for the guild. They're not good for you. They shouldn't be in there. I had experiences like this in our guild, which as far as I know, is still the largest per, uh, as far as numbers goes guild in the world in world of Warcraft. And we have definitely had moments where somebody of some fame will be in the guild purely for their own end and we get rid of them. I won't use names what, here. What is what is your own end? Like, like what what do you gain from from doing it? I from being a, in in my case or in the case I'm referring to, I'm not actually sure what they were getting out of it because it was just mayhem and drama when it happened. Um, in this particular case, I'm not sure either because I don't know who they are. But I think usually what you're getting out of it is you've got this like usually this stuff takes time to build, so you have an immediate foundation. It's like you come in and you go, I don't already have, it's like, I don't have a family yet. So I'm just going to have you, you can be my family. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's none of the connection, none of the time it takes, none of that foundational relationship structure stuff that usually comes with building relationships. You just come in and say, well, now you're my family. Yeah. And now let's all behave like we're a family and that's normal and everyone's normal. And it's not normal. It's weird. It's weird, assumptive, and 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 destructive. So I, I totally get where she's coming from. Because it seems like she's saying that there's a little. Uh, so let's say you know if if it's a booby streamer, uh, to use the coarse uh, term, that is like, oh no, I want to join this great WoW gig, uh, or this, this great WoW guild. Yeah. Uh, that it's like on one hand it's a luxury because look, I can I can join this WoW guild without doing much because I'm. I'm bringing something to the table that is rare, right? And right. so, on one hand, it's like, okay, well, that's cool, uh, but then it gets a little, uh, a little thirst trappy, and some of the some of the boys start start fighting when the hens in the uh, the cockhouse or whatever. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of that, but also, I don't know. It's just like an unearned thing, but it's also such a weird abstract thing, guilds in general, that it's it's hard to. It's not exactly like the same real world example where uh, a, a dad leaves his family when the kids are eight months old and then suddenly shows up when they're 15 and wants to just pretend like he was dad the whole time. But, yeah. it's, but it's a little like that. 
Um, and it really frustrates people. But then on, on the other hand, there are other people who really like that. They're like, ooh, they're in our guild. Ooh, I want to be with them. Ooh, ooh, they're causing drama and want to leave and start their own guild because uh, reasons. And you're like, yeah, dude, let's go with him. Let's go do that. Like, this happens. We had it happen multiple times. Guild drama is famous for this kind of crap. It's kind of a separate topic, though, from... It is. No, no, no. And yeah. it, it's something that I'm fascinated with because I have no idea. I mean, no. like, I'm I'm assuming I'm extrapolating it from just re like regular ass message board drama, which is like a, a constant. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that is an old Internet staple. But it, it is fascinating to see this intersect because now with Twitch, you can have this level of sexuality. Right. And this level of flirtation means something different than it would if you're just chatting or, or you know, on on uh, a Trello server or whatever. Right. It's fascinating stuff. At some point, we may do an extra episode and talk more about that. But yeah. Well, folks, you can email us unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. Again, that is unfriendmeshow at gmail.com a reminder to enter this number into your phone 801-471-0462 uh that is where you can call in and we are going to try and buzz through uh our, our research as fast as possible so we can get to your calls about sea world sea world everybody Woo! here's the founding of sea world 1964 milton c shred ken norris david demont and george millet Four graduates of UCLA who originally set up to build an underwater restaurant and marine life show. When they figured out that was stupid, they decided <laughs> to build SeaWorld in San Diego. They have locations in, uh, uh, as well as San Diego, Aurora, Ohio, San Antonio, Orlando, of course, and soon Abu Dhabi. Uh, it has passed through many ownership hands. Harcourt, Brace, Janovich, a publisher purchased them in 1967. Anheuser-Busch uh, purchased everything in 1989. A private equity firm purchased SeaWorld in 2009. And in 2013, they sold 37% of that company in an IPO. Ooh. I have been. How many times have you been to SeaWorld? I've been once. One time. You know, I've never been a SeaWorld fan <laughs> because as a young lad growing up in both Southern California and Florida, it was always kind of the, you know, D-level theme park, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if I were to rank growing up in Florida, my favorite theme parks, and you're separating out all the Disney ones, then it's like Magic Kingdom, Universal Studios, Bush Gardens, I mean, maybe later... Epcot or or uh, MGM Studios when that opened up, but you're going down fairly low before you get to SeaWorld, and very often it was like, "Hey, look, this is the second trip to Orlando, so we're gonna do Disney one of them, but then we're gonna we're gonna have a non fifty sixty dollars a head day, and we're gonna do the twenty five thirty dollars a head SeaWorld instead." Sure, I mean we did it. I'm trying to think we did it once, I guess. And when I was 14, it was a Disneyland trip. We were in California, so why not do, you know, all these things? We did Universal as well that week. So we did all that, that stuff, and SeaWorld was part of it. And I was, I don't know, 13 or 14, but I cannot tell you how utterly 
completely and entirely bored I was at SeaWorld. So yeah. part part of my complaints about SeaWorld are not as so much about the horrific treatment of the animals, although I'm a proponent of not treating animals horrifically. Most of it comes down to like, all right, so he can jump high and splash the front audience. I I can go to a Gallagher concert and get that for 25 bucks. Like, who cares? Like, it's not that big a deal. So for me, it's like always been like, why is it even still here? Why is this still popular? Why is this still a thing people want to see? And uh, maybe some of our callers can explain why they are aficionados of the uh, of SeaWorld. Also, the one uh, Ohio's gone now, right? It's out. I believe it closed in 2000. Yeah. But I was shocked. That was the second one, too. It was San Diego, and then they built this one uh, out in Ohio, and that was actually created or masterminded by one of the original Cedar Point uh, guys. So all, all my all my Midwest folks know that 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 Cedar Point life, they will knife you if you say that there is a better roller coaster in America than the ones that you find at Cedar Point. All right. A lot of people, a lot of people probably are under the impression that no matter the location, they're just shoveling thousands of giant whales and endangered species through some kind of fish grinder. So can you give me the the actual numbers on this? Like what is how many orca whales are floating around SeaWorld parks in this country or in the world right now? As of the most recent numbers that I could find, 22 killer whales in three parks. Scott, I'm going to do the first list, and then you do the second list, and then I'll do the third list. But I suspect this will be the favorite part of the episode it for might, everybody listening. Yeah, it might be, especially here, this next one. Ugh. Here are, and now they, they're all called Shamu when they do the show. Right. But these are the actual names of these orcas. In San Diego, Corky, Ulysses, Ulysses. Orchid, <laughs> Nakai, Ikiaka, Kalia, Keet, Shouka, Makani, and Amaya. Uh, I think you got most of those. I think Ulysses uh, is the is the one of that earlier ones. Uh, anyway, here are the six that live in SeaWorld Orlando. Uh, Makayo, <laughs> Malia. Kyla, Trua, Katrina, no, sorry, Katina, and Nalani. <laughs> and five in San Antonio. Uh, you want to know what, Scott? You want to take this first one? Q-Quat. 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 <laughs> Takara, Sakari, Tuar, and Kamiya. Yeah, I think you got those others, right? Well, uh, here's a, where it gets yeah, sad. In yeah. February 2010, an experienced female trainer at SeaWorld Orlando, Don Brancho, was killed by a killer whale, uh, Tilikum. Uh, shortly after a show in Shamu Stadium, the whale had been associated with the deaths of two previous uh, folks. SeaWorld was fined $12,000 ultimately for occupational safety violations, which of course brings us to Blackfish. The documentary released in 2013, ironically... The same year that they decided to IPO SeaWorld. Mm. It focused on the death of Brancho and the history of Tilikum, heavily criticizing the concept of keeping orcas in captivity. This was from a review of the New York Daily News on the documentary. Blackfish doesn't blame Tilikum. It blames exhibitors and, by extension, paying customers for taking a highly intelligent animal that may swim 100 miles a day in the wild and confining it to life in a tiny pool. Orcas live in tight social communities, and we break them up. Orcas have strong maternal bonds. We take away their children. 
In the wild, orcas live between 50 and 100 years. In captivity, it's half that. Mm. As you might imagine, SeaWorld disputes the accuracy of blackfish, calling it emotional propaganda. Quote, we object to blackfish because of its two central premises, uh, which are wrong. Number one, that life at SeaWorld is harmful to killer whales and for trainers working with these animals. And number two, that SeaWorld has attempted to cover up the facts surrounding the tragic death of Don Brancho in 2010, as well as the history of Tilikum, the killer whale involved in the accident. Nothing could be further from the truth. To make these ultimately false and misleading points, the film conveys falsehoods, manipulates viewers emotionally, and relies on questionable filmmaking techniques to create quote-unquote facts to support its point of view. Yeah. You've seen this, yeah? I've seen it. I have. Yeah. Have you? Yeah, I did. Um... Didn't it win something that year too? It's like a, at least nominated. I believe it won a BAFTA, and I think it was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I think you're right. I only got one, but here was my problem with Blackfish. Yeah, I think ultimately, and this was at a point where Ashley was working in and around the animal rights industry. Yeah, so I was familiar with kind of the messages there. It was ultimately a no animals should be kept in cages documentary that I felt should have just said that yeah. instead of making it kind of very specifically about this thing, which ultimately it's there so it can attach itself. It made, I'll tell you what, it, it focused in on SeaWorld and it hit SeaWorld really, 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 really hard. Mm -hmm. If you believe that no animals should be kept in cages, this is a documentary that it lays all those facts out for you. I think it does have a little bit of that you know, Michael Moore, yeah. Morgan, Morgan Spurlock, Denise D'Souza, yeah. kind of like it's there to make a point. It's there to be a polemic, uh, which I think is an element of, you know, communication. Uh, but I, I don't think that the points for people who are just out and out against this kind of entertainment, which I think are growing in numbers, should be ignored. And, and you know, I, I think for 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 that case, it made it well. Yeah, I think so too. Um, but I agree. I mean, anyone who thinks that the movie didn't come in with a bias, I think they would even deny that they didn't come in with a bias. Obviously, they weren't just sitting around filming a thing going, oh, look what this, look at the story that's breaking around us. That's not how this worked. So this isn't no. one of those kind of documentaries. There's plenty of those out there. You can go find them. This is one where it says, look, there's a plight. We believe it to be one. We've made a movie about it, and we've laid out why we think it's bad. And that's, I took, that's what I took away from it. Um, I don't think it's an unfair bias. I don't think it's a, they're not playing tricks on me or trying to play tricks on me. They're just laying it out as they see it. And I'm left to, as an audience, uh, make a decision of my own. My main reason, like I said, for not really liking SeaWorld up to that point had been boring. Uh, yeah. my reason for not liking it now is that it's boring. And also if it's so boring, why are we doing this to these animals? Like it's really not that entertaining. It's not worth the money. There are plenty of other places for people to go, for families to go, where, you know, the whales are uh, big animatronic nightmares at Disney and you don't have to worry about who's getting hurt. So do that instead. And to me, that's just a simple answer. It's not a big deal. And if people stopped going to Disney uh, to SeaWorld, that would eventually happen. Once again, everything gets solved kind of by how people use their, their pocketbooks. The fact that they're still around, though, despite shares dropping and everything else, tells me that this didn't kill them. They seem to have done okay and survived, right? Yeah. So they're still here. Uh, I don't well, know. I don't know what that means, but they're still here. So. Well, 
I mean, uh, let, let's let, let's take a look at that. Prior to Blackfish, SeaWorld traded as high as $38 a share. They bottomed out in November of last year at $10 a share. And now, I guess on, on the news that they are building this new park out in Abu Dhabi, have rebounded to $22. Uh, SeaWorld has stopped its breeding programs. Uh, and Abu Dhabi will be an orca-less park. Eventually, all SeaWorld facilities will not have orcas anymore so what's the point of the i mean is it just so all right so there there, there are more conventional things like uh dolphins are smaller very ob uh, obviously and they are Boring. more conventionally understood that they can be the biggest problem with dolphins apparently with SeaWorld is that there was another documentary i think that did win oh uh that did win the uh the oscar called the cove yeah the, i saw about the, I that they were illegally that. poaching them and those were winding up at SeaWorld. yeah uh so but other than that, there are. It is more understood that a smaller animal like a dolphin could be kept in a large tank that could be reasonably kept somewhere else. Sure, right? sure, yeah. So if the orca whales, the killer whales, are the ones that are, that are the primary target of this or the problem here, I guess that's good. I mean, this to me, this feels a bit like the Morgan Spurlock supersize me thing, where there was no question that that pressure coincided at the very least so i don't know if it's coincidental but it coincided with with mcdonald's a being very defensive about that but then b rolling out a bunch of healthy food options that they never had before yeah um a little bit more transparency on how stuff's made and where it comes from so if if the effect was hey no orcas in abu dhabi and also we've stopped our breeding program i mean this isn't a complete abolishment but it seems like steps in the right direction so if you're the filmmakers or if you're people that feel strongly about this, I don't I mean, how do they feel? I wonder if they're upset still or if they're I mean, this is about as close to set the animals free as you could reasonably do, because even if you hate all zoos and you're like, get them all, let them all go, then you're asking for all these animals to die because right. you can't just grow them in crap. You can't raise them in captivity uh, and then release them out into the wild. They'd all they'd be dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's like them stopping the breeding program is them saying as responsibly as possible this is done for us yeah it's over right I mean, this is as fast as you can go doing it without listing them on ebay <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no that's a good point i just went to the zoo um so some of this is on my mind a little bit uh, i enjoyed it over there and there were a couple of weird cases where uh, there was a rhino wearing what looked like a luchador mask and I asked the lady about it. I'm like, what the heck is that? And she says, oh, she has really bad eye allergies. So we had this custom-made sling thing made for her face that covers her eyes most of the day and creates like a filter for her to breathe through. And then at, the, at night when she – or in the morning and at night when they eat, they take it off. They go out and manually take it off. She eats and they put it back on. And I thought, well, yeah. that's a nice thing. Uh, so – even there uh, on a local zoo level, I'm noticing way more focus on that. When I was a kid or when I was a lot younger, none of that. You were like, that monkey got a tumor on its head? I don't know, whatever. Like It was, yeah. it was just kind of slapdashery, who cares, whatever. But now I feel like there's like signs that say this particular spider monkey came from the and he was going to be put to sleep by the country he was in, but we adopted him and brought him here so he could live out his life in a, in a uh, carefully you know, cared for space or whatever. Yeah, it seems like generally speaking, there's a overall effort, at least, to improve conditions, to improve uh, what's already happening, and then also exclude in cases of like um, stuff that's on endangered species list and that sort of stuff. Just straight up getting those out of there. So 
It may just be my sense of that, and I'm just yeah. seeing it from afar, but it does feel like there's something like that going on. And by the way, SeaWorld has diversified their offerings. The SeaWorld in Orlando has multiple roller coasters. They have a little water park. Like, there, there's a lot more there other than what they had been before, and they have, to everybody's recognition, stepped up their outreach for marine life, safety, and environmentalism. Beyond the park, they do do a lot to try and... Uh, I guess, mitigate what people might think is an environmental tragedy. However, there is a question on whether or not there is any future for animal-based entertainment. I offer, I submit to you this, Scott, the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus, the greatest show on earth, closed last year after eliminating their elephant act. They, they saw a tremendous decline in uh, attendance as soon as they took away the live animals and that was in business for 146 years to give you an idea uh in in one of the my, my favorite wrestling podcasts uh one of the old people that uh used to run their live events said that they would always look that the world wrestling federation even this isn't even in the whole kogan days yeah. would look to the circus to see what prices were at and to see where because they felt like they shared a lot of the same demographic and now one just made a 500 you know a million dollar deal for their uh, new television rights and the other's out of business <laughs> so one relied on live animals one relied on humans and 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 i think that there are very clear sort of trend lines that say that people don't want to see this kind of entertainment specifically at the numbers and possibly at all yeah also there are other options so when you're a little kid you love the zoo or you love SeaWorld because you're like, man, I've never even seen this before. Look at this giant creature. It inspires you. It gives you all these imagination jolts, and it's awesome. Uh, that's what the animal kingdom and, and sort of wild world can do for you. Uh, they have other options now, though. There are plenty of places you can go where there are reserves or there are special events at schools or they bring like endangered birds and let you kind of interact with them and talk about who they are and where they're from and why they're endangered and like you don't have to you don't have to go there anymore to get this experience. Yeah. You can get it in lots of other ways. That combined with the just the idea that well why are we still doing this? Why are we caging wild animals? Why are we really this hard up for entertainment? That's the second prong of it. And the third prong of it was we are inundated with things that entertain us. We have a million reasons to do other things. It's not like the only option is well, while I'm not watching the three television networks, I'm going to travel to California and go to one of the three parks that are there. It's a yeah. totally different world now. So you can invest your time and money in so many other things. I just think all that combines into just slowing down the roll a little uh, bit. Uh, my dumb question asks, uh, why are we so quick to rage about SeaWorld, but Animal Kingdom Safari isn't a problem, honest curiosity? No, it is. I, I don't know for sure. <laughs> I think it but is I a problem. I would, I would suspect I think that there are Probably plenty of people who would have a problem with Animal Kingdom as well. But I do know that, A, the issue with SeaWorld, specifically with the orcas, is the size of the tank. Right. And by the way, if you think SeaWorld's sad, I used to go to a place called the Miami Seaquarium in Miami. Oh, my God. They've got an animal. They've got a killer whale in there in the size of a uh, luxurious bathtub at a Best Western. Like, it is. That's bad. And it's like green water. It's disgusting. Yeah. Animal Kingdom, I, I do know for a fact, has a very good reputation for having 
a tremendous amount of land for the animals and they are kept in natural what are referred to as natural kind of enclosures meaning these are natural barriers that the animals in the wild would tend to respect and stay to their own land on yeah they redid a bunch of our zoo uh it's not the same as that place obviously but it's they redid a bunch of it with that in mind they were like well this is where the polar bears would not go further if they were in the wild so they they have obstacles and terrain let's call it that is that mimics their own and while yeah they're in a much smaller place than they would be if they were just free to move about the arctic they they you know they they recreated a bunch of that stuff that all seems like positive direction to me i mean it may not be the ultimate fulfillment of an animal rights activist whose only option in their mind is close it all down let them all free but i just don't think that's practical and we'll get there we're slowly getting there anyway and by the way even even animal kingdom which has been around i guess for probably what 20 years now something like that uh you know they still only have that safari it's not like they built the next safari when they were expanding animal kingdom they're like let's build pandora (laughs) like that's something that doesn't involve live animals uh so i i could i could see a world before my lifetime where animal kingdom isn't animal kingdom anymore and and they might make that a smaller part of the park and maybe they rebranded into fantasy place also 25 years now of the ultimate park fantasy being lived out in film form with jurassic park jurassic park both the book and the in the films are the are this allegory of when does man go too far and fiddling with nature and and when you know it's not specifically going oh take better care of the velociraptors but they put them in muzzles and make them look miserable and that's all analogous to stuff we do to real animals and yeah you know this stuff takes time but you chip away at it and eventually people are like oh I would. I probably want to treat those animals like I treat my own dog, and not, you know, kick the shit out of it or put it in a cage at the end of the day. Uh, folks, you can go ahead and give us a call right now. 801-471-0462. Again, I can't tell you this enough. Go ahead and put it in your phone right now. Put it under unfriend me, and then when you know that we're uh, rocking and rolling at like twelve thirty or so, then just give us the old ring a ding ding. Eight zero one eight or sorry, eight zero one four seven one. Zero four six two. That's the number. Call now and tell us what you think about all of this. Are people being too freaked out about it? Do you feel like this is just another part of the libtard cut conspiracy to <laughs> stop you from doing your manly duty at a zoo or at a water park? Uh, or do you feel like, uh, you know, this, uh, this is all good? Or are we not moving fast enough? Are you such an activist that you're like wanting to go in and, you know, blow dart the, the, the zoo trainers and put them all to sleep and then let the, the, let the elephants free. I don't, I don't know. Whatever you're thinking is, Oh, it's not supposed to ring like that, but here it comes. Sorry. Hang on a second. Okay. Hi. Good morning. Who's this or afternoon, I guess. Hello. Hey, this is Reed hey. from Wisconsin. Hello, Reed from Wisconsin. How are you? What up? Hey, how are you guys doing? Good, man. All right, so I had uh, actually two thoughts on this. Um, my girlfriend's a veterinarian, <clears throat> and we've had friends that are zoo animal vets and such, and they've always kind of been under the prescribed, it's a necessary evil, um, just to try to connect people to these animals, being able to see them visually, maybe interact, get close to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
sort of helps that whole conservation effort. Um, you know, that people see, hey, this is a real thing. We really need these animals. Let's invest in conservation for those animals. That's an interesting point. Like, if you don't have hands-on yeah. with a with an endangered goat or just a goat in general, and you and you don't ever get to see, I'm using goat as a bad example. I guess who cares about yeah. goat? Yeah. But if you see a you know whatever an animal it is, and you get up close to an elephant, let's say, and you're like, man, what a it's like a missing link between prehistoric and now. What a big, beautiful, amazing thing. You can't get that from a Wikipedia entry or even a YouTube video or even a VR experience. Like there's something about that visceral being there thing. Well, I mean, but but yeah. I think you you were kind of uh, uh, I think you leapfrogged your initial point because I, I I do think that initially in a pre ubiquitous media rich media kind of world, seeing these animals was the only way that you could make these politics local. That you could say. Oh, no, I don't want these things to die. If right. you go to see the gorilla enclosure and they're like, hey, they're all going to be dead by the time that you're 30. You're like, what can I do right now? <laughs> uh, and maybe part of it is lessened by the idea that we can see live cams of every zoo on the planet and we can see YouTube uh, uh, videos. Now, granted, I don't think anything will substitute the idea of being there magically, but hell. Even you were saying, Scott, that you got bored looking at a, you know, orca swim for two seconds. <laughs> I really did. I was also 13 and I don't know, girls are all I really cared about then. But here's the thing. Like, um, uh, you make a good point. We have the option now to sit down in front of a 4K experience and watch something like Planet Earth 1 and 2. Yeah. And that stuff is mind-blowing, but also incredibly informative and makes you think about the wider world and get your head out of your little space that you're in your little, you know, concrete jungle you've built and go to places you'll never see and appreciate things you'll never get to appreciate. So there's, there's a mix of those things, but here's what I'd ask the caller. And I'm curious about what your, what your girlfriend would say about this. It, there, there's probably a, a, a middle ground here where they could be, I don't know how to explain this. Some of them can be available especially for kids to sort of be around. And whether that's, you know, we're not saying put the dodo out there because there's only two left. I know they're gone now, but, you know, bring the one of the last white tigers out and let everybody handle this thing that's probably going to die from just too much handling um, and is too bored to mate, so it's not going to make any more kids or whatever like pandas always seem to be doing. Uh, There's a difference between that and here's a bald eagle they used to be on the endangered species list here's why they're not and these are great moves we could make to help these other birds some of which we can't show you because they're also now on the endangered species i mean there's got to be some middle place don't you think yeah yeah absolutely and um the the zoo animal vets uh they have a they talk about this a lot and a lot of it has to do with like money where you know you want to build bigger enclosures you want to have bigger um landscaping for them to be you know, feel more natural in the natural world and then also be able to involve people where they can observe the animals better. Um, and then, of course, having a variety of species, which are hard to get. But the better you take care of those animals, the better they do. Right. You know, the healthier, healthier they are, the um, more successful they are in their breeding. So it's just this constant balance of, you know, having money, um, trying to get people involved and then trying to, you know, increase those conservation um, in the actual wild where these animals live. Because if people, even the 4K thing, if you have 4K and you're looking at it, it looks amazing. You're still sitting in your living room. Right. You know, you're sitting in your computer chair watching this. It's, 
such a different experience if you're just like up in that enclosure and you see that lion. It's just the the size of it and just the you know seeing how they just move. It it can't be replicate, replicated. Yeah, I I totally 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 get it, and I I I think you're onto something there. There's a, there's got to be some kind of mix there. Here here's something I'd say, Justin, about mm-hmm. um about direct access to animals. It seems like the problem isn't as much uh, that that we can't find better ways to take care of the ones we have in captivity now. It seems like the problem is people are, you know, Donald Trump juniors of the world are going out and killing elephants for their tusks and and you know, the owner of Jimmy John's loves doing that and like like the sport of it all seems like the thing that probably ought to go now cuz we don't really need it now. We don't need it. I get that it's fun. I get that there's a thrill for it, all that, but also you're all cheating anyway. This isn't like the thrill of the hunt back in the day, man, when you had to go out and kill yourself a mastodon just to make sure you could eat for the winter. It's you and a Jeep with a bunch of pros who took you out there on a tour because you paid too much money, and one guy's sitting right next to you kind of holding you like golf style saying, all right, now aim it up, now move it over here. Okay, take a shot and take down a giraffe, and now let's get a picture with it. That kind of stuff sucks. Like that's I mean, you are, I, I normally you're very good at building straw men, but you built a whole <laughs> swath of heart. No, with a, this with happens a straw though. Elephant and a straw jeep. Maybe, sure, but like have you ever been out on a rich person safari? No, because I'd never go. I think it's cruel and awful. So I wouldn't okay, go. Sure. Well then we don't know exactly what that what happens. And I'll tell you what, if you want to take this in, I was trying to keep us away from from uh, uh, the full hunting conversation. We can have the full hunting no, conversation. Oh, we should save that. Save if hunting. You, save hunting. If, yeah, if you want to start talking about safari, then uh, uh, then we can talk about whether or not it's okay to shoot deer. Right. I mean, some people say, oh, no, we got to save that. That's a whole other conversation. The chat's already doing it, too. Hold on to that, you guys. That's a future episode of this show, either this or a bonus one where we talk about the ins and outs, the ups and downs, and the weather knots of something like hunting. because All, all I'll say, apropos of nothing, because yeah. I, I have very specific thoughts on, on hunting. Yeah. But do you remember, remember that whole Cecil the Lion thing that happened a couple I, of years I ago? I do remember this, yes. Dennis killed Cecil the Lion. Yeah. There was an amazing New York Times uh, editorial from a dude from Africa yeah. who was like, great. I hate lions. Lions have <laughs> murdered like 15 in my village. I'm glad he's dead. We should import more white people to shoot more lions. <laughs> I heard something like this, similar to this about alligators in Florida the other day, which uh, we'll get to in a second. But first, we have another caller on the line. Hi, who's this? Hey, Scott. Uh, this is uh, Greg from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Well, thank you for the call, Greg. What's uh, What's your take on all this? Uh, so, uh, I only had, like, um, so we, down here in Canada, I haven't been to SeaWorld, but I've been to, like, a marine land in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so, as a kid, it was fascinating, but it was only fascinating, kind of, I guess, as your 13-year-old self for, like, a second. You look at it, and then you move on to the next sort of thing. Yeah. And I find that the more fascinating thing is I went around here. We have like a sanctuary for birds that get injured or get like oil and stuff on them or, and they get like a uh, nurse back to health. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like, you can go in, you go in and you, you see them in the, they're, they're uh, they can fly freely sort of in the sanctuary and you watch them 
like people like clean them and nurse them back to health. So I find that's kind of a cooler thing than just watching an animal do like tricks, like jump and do tricks and whatnot. Sure. And this is in Toronto, you say it is? What's it called? Well, so there's Marineland, which mm-hmm. I was talking about in Toronto. Yeah. But then there's like this bird sanctuary that also has like oh, other wildlife place. like squirrels and skunks in Ottawa. Right, right, right. Okay. Ottawa. The, the, you're the capital. So uh, so uh, let me ask this question to Justin. Justin, do you think yeah. Coco the, the ape just died? Okay. Yes. So that was sad and all that. She lived way longer than uh, her normal life expectancy. I had no idea Coco the Ape was still alive. I, I did too. Reading that book when I was a kid with her little tailless tabby, like that was uh, that was like a whole thing. Seems like a long time ago, and it was. Yeah, and I, that's was a, I was in elementary school. <laughs> now I'm old. Yeah, I'm old balls now. She lived a really long time. Um, I saw an episode of Mister Rogers with her in it, uh, just recently, and um, that's on YouTube. You can go find it. But anyway, she just passed away. And I was left with this thought. Would I have rather known that this ape, well, we would have never known her, but let's just for the sake of argument say, this ape never pulled from the wild. Uh, I forget her entire origin story, but let's just say it lived its life out in the jungle, its natural habitat, it lived and it died. Is that better than the wealth of information we got from what they learned by working with that ape, its ability to understand to communicate to do all these things it did uh didn't that doesn't that volume of information create more value in the long haul than than us I mean, hoping she lives Dan, out of the thing you are asking you are at the gateway <laughs> of a tremendous philosophical question right right because we as human this is part of our human condition are constantly at war with the idea of are we animals that like any other animal will do what we want as far as we can forever and and our universe will slap us back or are we protectors have we evolved are we the new guardian of 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 the earth we are above animals and so therefore yes we must study these animals so we can better protect them so we can better be stewards of their lives uh uh, this is i think at at the root of so much of what we talk about not to mention the idea that animals are very much gateways to our own philosophical thinking of how we think about each other and how we think about uh, uh what we expect from each other how much freedom we should allow ourselves because we often put ourselves in these situations and say Sure, would an alien civilization learn a lot if they kidnapped me out of my home and took me to a strange place and I never got to see my family again? Uh, Sure, what if I even was able to live an extra 100 years longer than I would have otherwise because of their advanced technology? Right. Okay, but that ruins my story. (laughs) I was telling my story, and then I became textbook fodder. Right. Is that good? What if me doing that results in more people living? Right. I mean, the difference between me and a pride of lions is that a pride of lions, when they see a bunch of wildebeest coming and they need to take one of those down, they're not thinking to themselves, oh, I really wish there was a better way. You know, one of these days we're going to come up with a better way. 
uh, to get these wildebeest or that maybe we can grow some wildebeest in a lab and uh, we'll never have to kill another wildebeest because man, it's really weighing on our lion conscience. No, they just go out and go get a wildebeest and eat it because out of that necessity, there's no malice yeah. to it. There's no pre-thought, some pretense or any of that. It's just instinctual. That's their source of food. You get it, you eat it. Your kids live in, or your cubs live, your, you, you live or you don't if you don't eat. So we have this, regardless of how you feel about the human race, people in the chat room are like, we're all animals at the end of the day. That's great. Let's say we are, but hot damn, we're advanced. Like literally, <laughs> Justin and I are talking in real time over the most abstract network of air and breath <laughs> in the history of, of, of ever. And we're doing it and talking about a thing that's very specific. There are people making lab-grown meat right now so that we can get away from our dependence on, on uh, you know, corrals and yeah, corrals full of chickens and beef. So we clearly we have, call it evolution, call it in, uh, enlightenment, call it whatever you want, but we are at a place in our life, uh, in, our, in, our, in our human history, where we very much can make decisions to go directions that solve these problems, that have have us be less of the animals and more caretakers of those who can't take care of themselves. I think that's a great thing to aspire to. So people that always go, well, at the end of the day, we're just animals. We're just going to F everything that moves. We're just going to eat everything we see. It's a little straw, Manny. So you don't have to tell me. I know I'm making that guy up, but you know what I mean? Like it's easy to want to just go, I, I, okay, here's no straw, man. An actual guy named Keith back in 1998 told me once, uh, Good. He said, "Get him! Got him! He, he said, Get up, Keith! Get wrecked!" <laughs> he told me. I said he was asking me about sticking with my wife, and I said, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, how can you stay with one person your whole life?" I said, "Well, I really care Where about her." And Keith? Keith worked at a company I worked for. He sucked. I okay. hated him. Um, he eventually <laughs> got fired because he stole something out of petty cash. So it probably tells you all I need to know. But anyway, yeah. Keith, at the end of this conversation, said, "Well, I don't care who you are." It's just as simple. We're meant to be effing all the time, and we should just be effing all the time. And I'm just going to go effing as much as I want to. And there's going to, he even said this, there's either going to be times when I'm going to meet some girl who I think is totally hot, and she's not going to want to be with me, but I'm going to eff her anyway. Like, just kind of rapey and hideous. Yeah. And I remember thinking, you're a freaking D bag, but I can't stand that thinking, that thinking of, well, we're just animals. What are you going to do? Freaking take both my birds and put it up your butt, because that sucks. That's a crappy way to think. I hate it. We have we have these great powers that these other animals don't have. Call us animals, fine, but damn, we're advanced. We're awesome. We can do sure. all kinds of shit, and we should do it. You know, I I agree a hundred percent, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think that there is though a a thought of uh, we don't have to go right to uh, uh, I'm an animal, so I should cheat on my wife, and she should be okay with. It. <laughs> well, that's what he was doing. Well, like, I know, yeah, but Keith's an idiot. Yeah, Keith so, was a complete like, idiot. I hated him. Oh my gosh, I hate uh, Keith. But I would, I would say that uh, uh, there, there is. I, I, I do think that there is a philosophical idea to. What, I mean, where are we? Like, obviously, we're at the top of the ecological food chain. Yeah. But what do we owe? And and beyond, what do we owe to the rest of the animals? What do we owe to Earth? Right. Are we above? Are we the masters? This is getting heady. Are we the masters of nature or are, is nature the master of us? And this is at the root of a lot of environmental issues. Of, yeah. uh, uh, you know, well, OK, if, if you believe that nature has always been out to kill us and, and the very foundation of evolution is determined by 
who can beat nature before nature murders us, uh, then anything we do to the earth is something that we can undo. Our, our survival will depend on undoing right. and be it man-made or ecologically decided. However you want to slice that up. Really. Yeah. The only bad, uh, the only downside, I mean, this stuff tends to, well, whatever you bring, even bring, you can say the word environment around peace. Some people I know, and it turns into this just like political party and I hate it. Nobody really well, but, but I do think that, like, beyond where we put our constructs on it, our modern constructs on it, I do think that there are very, very, very interesting philosophical questions that are raised when we look at it and we think about, well, what should we do? Yeah. What do we care about? Right. What, even hunting, right? Let, let's take the position of, you know, quote unquote, ethical hunter. I know that word is a whole nother thing, but. There is a thought of like, okay, well, it's only where it's overpopulated and only where it's this and only where it's that and only when X, Y, and Z, then I will kill an ant. Right. And then there are some that are more like, no, I'm, I, I, have, I have a gun, right? And then there's some that are like, no, I only do it if I can hit him in the eye with a bow and arrow, <laughs> right? All right. Like, at what point do we draw the line right. in our end? Right. For all of for, is it? Shamu being kept in a tiny uh, uh, tank. Is it whether or not it's worth it for us to be more interested in marine life because we get to see them? Yeah. Is that worth something else? You know, is that is that worth one whale being in a tank if we stop commercial whale? Right. You know. Yeah. The other problem is that you just made the you just you just illustrated part of the issue, which is that we are so much more maybe not infinitely but uh by scales of magnitude more complicated in the way we behave as people compared to uh the animal kingdom even the most uh the smartest among them don't have the nuance we have and so we can make distinguishments between well i'll only do it if i'm hunting with my buddies or i'll only do it if i'm dying and i have to have something to eat because i'm dying uh, and I can't get food anywhere else. Like we have all of these sh- levels of, of where we make our choice, where we draw our lines. The animal kingdom doesn't have that. They just get the fish or they don't get the fish. Kill the wildebeest or don't kill it. Like it's so much more binary. And because we're not binary, I don't see that well, as a problem. I, mean, I think that there are, look, there are societal decisions that are made in, in, in certain animal communities. And, and I think that, again, it's like how much we do or don't see our own reflection is crucial Mm. these are all fascinating pivot points that i think have bigger ramifications than we think and and beyond them being their own environment political issues of like are you environmentalist are you not an environmentalist yada 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 i do think how much we care about the pets we have in our house how much we care about going to the zoo how much we again we see ourselves in the animal kingdom Mm -hmm. is I mean, the more we talk about it, the more I think that it might be one of the most interesting philosophical questions possible. Yeah, maybe the number one one. Uh, I think, and I think it. that it's it's not a binary thing, right? Nor do I think that we're very well served to put it into a binary thing. No, because I, I think that no matter how we do it, whether we say that okay, all animals are 
our responsibility because we own the earth and and we have conquered nature and we are going it is only us it is up to us whether or not they live or die yeah uh or you say eh, i don't know what they're here before us they'll be here after us we're just gonna screw around who wants to play sega like <laughs> It, 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 I don't think that either of those have cut and dry political meanings to it. Right. I think that those ideas can go any different way that you want. Yeah. Well, free will is a bitch. <laughs> it puts right? us, yeah, puts us in a really weird place. I know we have some instincts, but, and maybe it, you know, there's a whole other faction of this t- conversation, by the way, if they were here, they would be saying, well, what if all of this is determined? What if none of this is free will? What if all of the like we we think we're top of anything? Calm Maybe down, we're... calm down, Kelvin. <laughs> so we're not getting into that, but we could. We won't. Uh, yeah. We instead will. Uh... And by the way, how about if you're like, oh my god, animals are so beautiful. Animals are so amazing. They're so regal. They're so majestic. I mean, you ever see them have sex with each other? <laughs> I, saw, I saw two ducks banging once, and I, I, I've never let it go. It yeah. is, it was a horrible, violent thing. Well, see, an- again, another wrinkle in your cheese there. The animals are just like, do a thing, a thing happens. Pure instinct. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure if Keith would have said he would have got rock hard. <laughs> Freaking Keith. I wonder where he is now. God, that's oh, darn he it. Sucks Keith. so bad. Let's told- give out his last name. We'll dox him. I don't actually remember it. Good, <laughs> and I wouldn't anyway. But if I did, I yeah, I don't remember it. I just remember Keith, and he was a giant dick. Yeah. Uh, no, speaking of giant dicks, let's. Uh, what's <laughs> terrible transition? What's our topic That's, next week? In fact, reset, reset. reset. I don't because I don't want to get the emails on this. This is one that we're going to get a ton of emails on. Yeah, we'll back that one up. But what is our topic next week? What what possibly could be meatier than let's save the orca whales? Well, from the animal kingdom to the animal kingdom close to us. Ladies and gentlemen, next week, yeah, the furries episode. Oh my gosh, dude! Perfect lead out. Go from the furry, the real furries, to the fur, the human furry furries. Get your fursonas ready, baby. We're talking all about furries next week. I'm excited about this. Actually, it's been coming up a lot lately too. So this is perfect. I actually got I got the thought from from the uh, from from TMS today. It's like finally we have yet to do a furries episode. We're doing the furries. Finally, the furries. Down with the furries, meaning I'm down with them, not down with them. Chat room. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> Stoic Scroll says, oh, God, I think abortion would be less controversial. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, but don't worry. Abortion's still on the table at some point. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get to that. But in the meantime, it's all about the furries. That's next week right here on Unfriend Me. And uh, you guys should send in your feedback and your emails before then. Uh, if you want to have any comments or thoughts read on the show next week about the whales, how to save them, how to not save them, all your takes on that stuff, you can send it to unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. That's unfriendmeshow at gmail.com. And yep. the website's frogpants.com slash unfriendme. Justin, anything else before we go? Yeah, 801-471-0462. I know there's a lot of y'all out there because whenever I talk about furries, I sure as hell get enough emails about it. So yeah. get them in. Yeah. You better call up next week. Uh, 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 go uh, follow me on uh, Twitter, Justin R. Young. Justin Robert R. Young. Nope, just Justin R. Young. Don't want to confuse things. I'm at Scott Johnson. That's it. All lowercase. It's not hard. And we'll be back next week with a whole new discussion. This time about a very different kind of fur for me, for Justin, for all of you. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye, on friends. Bye, on friends. <laughs>
This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs>